You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. I remember, Lord, I remember what you did in the past. I remember your past goodness. Now, I'm in a situation where it contradicts your goodness in the present. So what am I going to do? As one said, when you don't know, you fall back on what you do know. And what you do know is that no matter how bad it is, it cannot ever change how good God always is. When you don't know, fall back on what you do know. In today's message from Pastor J.D., he teaches you to recount God's goodness within your life when you're facing seasons of difficulty. No matter how dark your situation might get, Pastor J.D. reminds you that God's character never changes. God is always loving and He's always good. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 90 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. And so this is what the Lord was talking to me about. I love the intimacy and the closeness all day throughout the day when you're just in that constant conscious communion with me, like the Apostle Paul says, pray continually. Throughout the day, you're just continually, constantly talking with the Lord, and He's talking to you. Every little thing, Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for that phone call. What a blessing that phone call was. Thank you for that email, or (laughs) conversely, Lord, what do you want me to do about that email? Whoa, I could have gone the rest of my life without receiving an email like that. And you're just constantly bringing all of your ways to the Lord at every turn. Every phone call, every email, every meeting, every discussion, everything. Every prayer for a parking spot. Just you're constantly talking with Him. Now think about this. Wouldn't it make sense that if for no other reason God might allow those times of ambiguity, even calamity, confusing circumstances, uncertainty, if for no other reason to get us all to Himself. Because isn't it true that we're always closer to the Lord in adversity? And this is what the Lord's been ministering to me as of late, that during times of prosperity, I don't have that closeness with the Lord that I do when I'm going through times of adversity. Nothing wrong when God's blessing you. Ecclesiastes 7.14, Solomon writes, during times of adversity, rejoice, man. Enjoy it, especially while it lasts, because adversity is a coming. And he says, when adversity, now I wish it said, if adversity strikes, if by chance you should happen to, you know, come upon some adversity, you know, just every now, now and so often, No, it says, when adversity strikes, stop and consider and realize this, that God will bring alongside the prosperity with the adversity for this reason. He wants you to completely and totally trust Him and rely on Him. And the problem is, the only time we do that 
is during adversity, because we have to. That's when we turn to Him. But when things are going good, we just kind of, doesn't take long. We kind of glide and abide, as one said. I think that's the lesson of the psalm. G. Campbell Morgan, I'm going to quote him a couple times tonight. He just says it so well. He says this, Taken as a whole, this song is one of the finest in the collection as a revelation of how the man of faith is compelled to view circumstances of calamity. In a poem of great beauty, he first sets forth the praises of God, verses 1 through 37. Then he surveys the present condition of his people, and so creates a contrast, verses 38 through 52. And then he says this, listen, no present defeat can dim the glory of past history as it reveals the facts of the divine majesty. Yet these past facts and confidences may be the reason of present inquiry and approach to God. Don't you find it interesting that in verses 1 through 37, the psalmist is reflecting on, recounting when God did what He did in the past? It's as if to say that he's superimposing the template of God's goodness on the situation in the present. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever, right? So if God did that then, why would He not do this now? Don't misunderstand the psalmist when he says, remember, O Lord, like God forgot. God doesn't forget. It's more like one of these. I remember, Lord, I remember what you did in the past. I remember your past goodness. Now, I'm in a situation where it contradicts your goodness in the present. So what am I going to do? As one said, when you don't know, you fall back on what you do know. And what you do know is that no matter how bad it is, it cannot ever change how good God always is. It may not come in the way you think, especially at the time that you think, but God is always good only. Psalm 90. This is a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Verse 1, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from even from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. You turn man to destruction and say, Return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, and like a watch in the night. You carry them away like a flood. They are like a sleep. In the morning they are like grass which grows up. In the morning it flourishes and grows up. In the evening it is cut down and withers. For, verse 7, we have been consumed by your anger, and by your wrath we are terrified. You have set our iniquities before you. 
our secret sins in the light of your countenance. For all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. Off to a pretty morose start, right? First hand, the days of our lives are 70 years. And if by reason of strength, they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow. How depressing. It's kind of like that. What's that saying? I think it's even a bumper sticker. Um, Life is hard, and then you die. Have a nice afternoon. Wow. For it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Verse 11. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So, verse 12, teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Verse 13, notice, return, O Lord, how long, and have compassion on your servants. Oh, satisfy us early with your mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days in which you have afflicted us, the years in which we have seen evil. Let your work appear to your servants and your glory to their children. And verse 17, let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Okay, so is it just me or is this a little bit like Psalm 89, though written by somebody else and not Moses, kind of similar in nature? I mean, it's like verse 17 was written by somebody else. Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. Us. Wow. Praise the Lord. Establish the work of our hands. Well, you just got done telling him, how long are you going to be angry? Who knows the power of your anger? We, we have just tasted of your wrath. And all of our days, whether we live to be 70 years of age or 80 years of age, tops, it's just labor and sorrow. And then we, we die. And then verse 17, and let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. Okay, (laughs) what's going on here? Well, first, interesting, it's the only psalm written by Moses. And that makes it the oldest psalm in the Bible. Understand that the psalms are a collection of songs that are put together, inspired, and uh, included in the canon of Scripture. But what's interesting to me about this psalm is this stark contrast. So Moses starts off talking about God as the creator, the magnificence of the creation. And then he goes into the frailty of man. The majesty of God contrasted with the frailty of man. Again, what is man that you're even mindful of him, that you would even think of him, let alone love him? 
have a plan for him. We are but dust, literally, by the way. Did you know that they have found, they, whoever they are, don't you just love it when somebody says, you know what they say, I would like to meet they someday. I'm waiting for somebody to come up and introduce themselves and say, hey, what's your name? Well, my name's JD, what's yours? They, you're they, oh, you're they, whoa, wait a minute. Anyway, so they say that our flesh contains the exact number and nature of the same components from the dust of the earth. So it's like when God says that He created man from the dust of the earth, guess what? He literally created man from the dust of the earth. That's what we are made of. So then when He says, you are but dust, no, He means that literally. You are but dust. I created you from the dust of the earth. And then when we die, it's dust to dust, ashes to ashes. Our bodies go to the same place from where they were created, the dust. So here's Moses drawing this stark contrast between the majesty of God and the frailty of man. And to me, this is the takeaway from the psalm. In light of man's frailty, and even in spite of man's frailty, the blessing of God is upon us, and He establishes the work of our hands for us. Why? Because He loves us. We were created for His good pleasure. He delights in us. His thoughts towards us are innumerable. He loves us so much that He sent His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That's how much He loves us. That's what He's done for us in spite of us. For those of you who remember our study through First and Second Samuel, we studied the life of David, and oh my goodness, what a life. And there were some places where it was just such graphic detail. I didn't really want to know how David was scheming after he committed adultery with Bathsheba, gets her pregnant, and then plots to have her husband killed by getting him on the front lines with Joab, his military commander. I didn't want to know that about David. But wait a minute, this is supposed to be a man after God's own heart. And he, he committed adultery and he committed murder. Two crimes slash sins that were punishable under the law by death. I mean, you want to talk about a guy that was really bad. I mean, that's pretty bad. Wouldn't you agree? So the question is this, why does God want us to know how bad David was? I believe it's because He wants to show us the contrast that in spite of how bad David was, this is how good God was to David. I mean, <laughs> the Savior of the world would come from His lineage? 
That was like the ultimate honor of honors to any man in all of Israel, to have the promised Savior come from your lineage. But wait a minute, he committed adultery. I know. He committed murder. I know. And God blessed him anyway? Yeah. God established him, the Messiah, from him? Yeah. It's not about how bad we are, it's about how good God is in spite of how bad we are. And we're all bad. Here's G. Camel Morgan again. He says it best this way. This frailty is the more feeble because man is a sinner, and therefore out of harmony with God. Yet this very eternity of God is the hope of man in his frailty and sin. And the heart is lifted to Jehovah in a prayer that the mornings, the days, the years of brief life may all be set in true relation to Him. Satisfaction, gladness, success in work must all come from the right relation of man in his frailty to the eternal Lord. There's the contrast again. It makes it all the greater and all the glory goes to God. All right, Psalm 91. Really been looking forward to this psalm, an amazing psalm for those of you who know about Psalm 91. We're in for a real treat. I'll try to do my best. I pray that the Lord will help me to teach this psalm as it deserves to be taught. Verse 1, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. This is a reference, I believe, to that secret place in the Holy of Holies where the Shekinah glory of God was, where the presence of God was in the tabernacle, and then subsequently in the temple. Jesus fulfilled all of that. And we don't have to enter into the temple now because that curtain was torn. And now we have unfettered access. We can come boldly to the throne of grace, and we can come into His presence. And I am personally of the belief specifically that the secret place of the Most High is that place where it's just us and the Lord. That place, that quiet place, that secret place of prayer where I'm talking to God, He's talking to me, and I'm in the presence of the Lord in that secret place where God knows things about me that only He can, that nobody knows. He knows my heart. Nobody can know my heart. Man only sees the outward appearance. God knows the heart, the secrets of the heart, that secret place where we are laid bare, open, before the Lord. And what happens when we do that? Oh, we abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Kind of has the idea of being protected under His shadow, under the shadow of His wings. 
Verse 2, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. This is spoken by somebody who has had personal experience with God delivering him from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. Verse 4, again with this idea of protecting under the shadow of his wings, he shall cover you with his feathers. Now, of course, this does not mean that God has feathers. I don't think angels have feathers either. This might be where they got the whole angels, wings, and feathers thing, because it says, He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. Verse 5, and this is interesting. He says, you shall not be afraid of the terror by night. You have to understand now in our day, we, we sleep, we, we're secure, we've got our security systems, we've got our cameras, we've got our doors locked, and you know, we're, we're secure, we're not afraid, right? Well, in that day, <laughs> you didn't have those assurances. And the terror would come at night, under the cover of darkness. This is usually when the enemies would attack. They would do so at night. Not only the terrors by night, nor of the arrows that fly by the day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. That pretty much covers it all every day, all day, throughout the day, (laughs) and night, every night, throughout the night. Verse 7, a thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. I emphasize you, because when I read the Word of God, it it helps me. Maybe it'll help you too, but I always try to imagine where the emphasis is. Here's an example. You know, throughout the Old Testament, God will say of Israel and to Israel, I am the Lord your God. Okay, now where's the emphasis? I am, again, personally of the belief that in most cases, the context would indicate that the emphasis was on I. I! am the Lord your God. They're not. The poetry of the Psalms evokes emotions of all kinds. The authors' lives were as varied as their songs, yet each point to truth we can't deny. God is still God, always in control, and forever loving His creation. We can rest in the knowledge that our Heavenly Father cares for us deeply and is supporting us calming us and providing life everlasting. We hope today's teaching on In Spirit and Truth stays with you as you continue on in your day, reminding you of truth and love at every turn. If you'd enjoy listening to more messages from Pastor J.D. Farag, you'll be able to find them on our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com. 
we do treasure our connection with our listeners, we'd like you to be a part of our social media community. Follow the links on our website to our Facebook or Twitter pages where you can add your thoughts to the conversations while filling your news feed with encouragement and useful information. We'd love to see you here in person at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe if you're in the area too. We hold services every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. or come by on Thursdays at 7 p.m. for an in-depth Bible study. Directions can be found on our website. Again, that's inspiritandtruthradio.com. If you can't join us in person, we hope you'll find a local church community soon that you can call home. Having a supportive and biblically-based church is an incredible blessing in your faith experience. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll join Pastor J.D. again to continue studying the Psalms right here on In Spirit and Truth.